after those video announcements, if you don't know that your kids have never have a dull moment across the hall, and I kids, you know now, <laughs> all right? Well, thank you for being here today. I'm excited to, to share with you what God put on my heart. Today's kind of a, we just finished up a series called When Necessary, and today is a standalone message that I believe the Lord gave me that I'm excited to share with you. Just want to remind you, we still have a, a week left in July, and we have named July as Random Act of Kindness Month. And so if you need some more additional cards or anything like that, let us know. Uh, let's just make the biggest impact, the biggest difference that we can for the remainder of July, putting a focus on doing random acts of kindness for people in our community. Well, I want to jump right in today, and I want to talk to you on this subject, the power of will. The power of will. Come on, somebody poke your neighbor in the arm and say, it's the power of will. It's the power of will. Come on, if you didn't get enough coffee to, to, to say the power of will out of your mind, mouth right now, get some more coffee. It's the power of will. The power of will. Now, has anybody ever made an inner vow? Have you ever made an inner vow? Maybe you've made an inner vow and now you're thinking, you know, that was probably an inner vow that I made and I've never actually called it that. But we can usually think of something, it, it's kind of in our nature to make these inner vows as we go through life. You know, it's, it's the, I will never be poor, I will never get married, I will never let that happen to me again, I will never be like them, I will never go there, I will always do this. We make an inner vow that this is the way it's going to be. And no matter what you try to do, this is the way it's going to be. I don't care how I was raised, we're not going to be poor, and that's an inner vow, and I'm going to do whatever i got to do to make sure that we're not living poor. We make these inner vows, and have you ever noticed that when you make an inner vow, you're usually willing to go to any extreme to make sure that you keep it? You ever had an inner vow, and you just went out of your way to make sure that that happened? I mean, it was more difficult for you to keep your inner vow than it was for you to just go with whatever was going on in your life. You made an inner vow, and I will never do this. I will always do that. And it, was, it, was, it would have been easier for you to just change it all up and for you to just do what you knew you needed to do in the moment, but you were willing to go to whatever extreme you needed to go to to make sure that you kept your inner vow. Y'all are looking at me crazy. Has nobody ever made an inner vow? And you just went, you went to ridiculous extremes to make sure that you kept it. Just whatever it took. I'm going to do whatever I got to do to make sure that I keep this vow. I used to know a guy who grew up in a family that was always struggling financially. When he was a kid, their family always struggled financially. And at a young age, he made an inner vow. That I will never, my family will never live like that. Will never ever live like I grew up. And he went to the extreme to make sure that his family never lived the way that he grew up. He worked all the time. He owned multiple businesses. Just when you thought that he had another business and this is going to be it. Three months later, he'd be starting something else up that's some internet business or something like that. He was starting stuff all the time trying to make money. We're not going to be poor. 
We're not going to struggle. My kids are not going to go through what I went through growing up. Started multiple businesses. He was making lots of money. And when, when it all came down to it, he almost, this is the honest truth, he almost died because of all of the stress and all of the stuff that he was trying to do to make sure that his kids didn't grow up the way that he grew up and that they had plenty of everything and an overabundance of everything and, and he never really got to even see his family. Because if he wasn't working at his job, he was at this other business that he had started trying to make sure that it was going good. And he was working on this thing online that he had started and trying to make sure that it was going good. And never really spending time with his family and almost died because of all the stress and everything that he put himself under to keep his inner vow. The thing that he had decided this is never going to happen for our family. And he went to the extreme to make sure and eventually hit a wall and had to take a step back and, and, and reevaluate what my life looks like. Reevaluate the things that I'm doing. He was fulfilling his inner vow, but giving up the most important things in his life in the process. Have you ever had a friend who said that they will do anything for you and you believe them? You ever had somebody in your life? Maybe you have that, that what you believed whenever they told you, I will do this, that they were going to do it. While you're gone, I will mow your yard. You didn't have any doubt that when you got back from your trip, your yard would be mowed. You're moving. You ever have those friends that call you when you're moving? Everybody's always out of town when you're moving, right? <laughs> Answer the phone. Hey, we need some help. We're moving. We need some help. Everybody's out of town. <laughs> Matter of fact... We're not in town today. <laughs> I had to work. Sorry. <laughs> Everybody's got something going on when you're moving. But you ever had that, that person that you knew you could count on? That when they told you they were going to do something, that they were going to do it? And you didn't doubt that they were going to do it? They would go anywhere with you. They were always there for you. They would comfort you when you were going through a hard time. They would bless you financially when things were tough. They would make sure that you had enough. They were always on your side, and you never doubted that they were always going to be there. That if they said they would do it, that they would do it. And you didn't question it. But have you ever wondered why we're usually quick to believe an earthly friend who will do things for us, but we struggle to believe that our Heavenly Father will do what He said that He will do. It's so easy when I have a friend in my life who says they're going to do something and they've always done it for me to just believe that they'll do it. When they say they'll do it, they'll do it. But why is it that we have such a hard time believing that the God who created the universe and created you and me, who has already told us what he will do for us, has already spoken over your life, why is it so hard for us to believe that God will do what he said he would do? Why is it so hard for us to believe that? I believe you. When you tell me you'll show up, I believe you. But I don't necessarily believe that God's always going to be there. Maybe it's because you've been through something and you didn't feel like God was there. 
You went through a hard time and you were wondering, God, where are you at? God, why is this happening? God, where, where is the good in all of this? And at some point along the way, you came to the conclusion that God is not always there and God does not always do what he said he would do. Why, why is it so difficult for us to believe that God will do what he said he will do? Maybe you didn't realize it, but there are some things in the scripture, in the Bible, that God has already spoken over you. There are things in the Bible that God has already said will happen, and do you believe that they will happen? If God already said it, do we believe that he will actually do it? Well, what are these things? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because I'm going to tell you. These are just a few statements. We're going to look at some scriptures and we're going to go through these rather quickly. But here are a few statements that God makes in his word. The first one, Isaiah 40, 31. But those who trust in the Lord will receive new strength. They will fly high as eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not grow weak. Isaiah 54, 17, but no weapon that is used against you will succeed. People might bring charges against you, but you will prove that they are wrong. Those are the things I do for my servants. I make everything right for them, announces the Lord. Can I just tell you, anybody, anybody ever had a weapon formed against you? I'm not talking about a physical weapon or a gun put in your face, but there was something you were going through. Can I just encourage you today that the Bible says that no weapon formed against you will succeed? You're going to have stuff that's going to come against you, and you're going to have tough times, but no weapon. And I love what the end of this verse says, if you didn't catch it. It says, those are the things that I do for my servants. Who is the I? God Almighty. No weapon will f formed against you will prosper, and any charge that's brought against you that's not true, you'll prove that it's wrong. These are the things that I do for my servants. God already said he would do it for you, so why do you not believe that he will do it? Why do you not believe? Matthew 7, verses 7 through 11. Ask, and it will be given to you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Everyone who asks will receive. He who searches will find. The door will be open to the one who knocks. Suppose your son asks for bread. Which of you will give him a stone? Or suppose he asks for fish. Which of you would give him a snake? Even though you are evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? If you ask, you receive. If you seek, you find. If you knock, the door opens. He already said it. He already said it. Matthew 17 verses 20 and 21. He replied, because your faith is much too small. What I'm about to tell you is true. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, it is enough. You will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. 
John 14, 1 through 3. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust in me also. There are many rooms in my Father's house. If this were not true, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. If I go and do that, I will come back and I will take you to be with me. Then you will be where I am. Romans 10, 9. Say with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Then you will be saved. Galatians 6, 9, one of my favorite verses. Let us not become tired of doing good at the right time. We what? Will gather a crop if we don't give up. If we don't give up, we will harvest. You reap what you sow. If you're sowing, you're going to reap. But we can't give up in the meantime. We've got to wait on God's timing and allow him to bring the harvest. And then we've got to go get it. Then we've got to go get it. You will receive a harvest if you do not give up. And if we read the word of God, we find many places. These are just a few of the places where God tells us what will happen. Not what might happen. Not if you do this, this might happen. I might bless you. I might pour out my love on you. You might reap a harvest. You might succeed. It says you will. You will. You will. You will. But isn't it so easy to get distracted from what God has already said about you? Isn't it easy to get distracted from what God has already said about you? He's already said it. But we get so focused on everything else going on around us. And all of the pain and the struggle and everything that we're going through that we lose focus of the will. We lose focus of all the wills that God has already said about you and about me. And I'm here today to remind you, if you want to be reminded, that God is always there and God has already said what he would do. And all we need to do is do our part, believe that he will do what he said he would do. So how do we get focused on the will? How do we keep our focus on the wills when distraction begins to come in our lives? And I want to give you four things this morning that you can write down. And we're going to break down this word will because it's easier for me to remember. It's easier for you to remember. And hopefully you'll remember it on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday and on Thursday and Friday and Saturday. And it'll go with you. So we're going to look at four words that that are an acronym for the word will. Here's the first one. You can write this down. How do we get focused on the will? Number one, worship. Worship. Isn't it interesting that when things get tough, a lot of times the first thing to go is your worship? Y'all are quiet. 
Isn't it interesting that when things start going bad, things start going the wrong way, that the first thing to go is your worship. Well, I don't feel like I don't feel like worshiping. I don't feel oh, I'm tired today. It's been a long week. My job is terrible. I'm not getting along with my spouse. We were yelling at each other on the way to church today. I don't feel like worshiping. And the first thing to go is your worship. Worship takes my eyes off of me and puts them on God. When you worship, it takes your eyes off of you and your situation and puts them on God. I love this story, and we're just going to read four or five verses of it, but it's in Acts chapter 16 of Paul and Silas. Now, I don't know if you've read this or not, but Paul and Silas have been thrown in jail. Let's just get it in context. They've been thrown in jail for doing the right thing. For doing the right thing. And this is what the Bible says. The crowd joined the attack against Paul and Silas. The judges ordered that Paul and Silas be stripped and beaten. Anybody been stripped and beaten lately? Probably not. These guys got it pretty bad. They were whipped without mercy. Then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received his orders, he put Paul and Silas deep inside the prison. He fastened their feet so they couldn't get away. This is the part that I really like. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. They were also singing hymns to God. The other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a powerful earthquake. It shook the prison from top to bottom. All at once the prison doors flew open. Everybody's chains came loose. Paul and Silas were doing the right thing and got punished for it and got thrown in jail and everybody's against him and they're naked and they're beaten and they're in deep in the prison. And at midnight, the Bible says, they're worshiping. They decided in the middle of this circumstance, I'm going to worship. And what happened when they worshiped? Now, I'm not telling you when you worship in your circumstance, the ground's going to shake and, and, and all your pictures are going to fall off the walls and all this stuff is going to happen. But I love, the, I love the visual that when you worship, the chains start falling off. That when you worship, you start to forget about all the stuff that you've been so focused on looking at yourself and you turn your eyes to Jesus and all of a sudden your circumstance begins to change. Your perspective begins to change. Your outlook begins to change because you made the decision in the middle of my mess, I'm going to worship. Some of us are just one worship away from actually seeing a breakthrough. But we got to learn to worship when we don't feel like worshiping. It's easy to come into church and worship when things are going good. But we're getting along, kids are obeying, going on vacation this next week. Everything's just great. She bought a new house, new car. Life is awesome. I'm going to worship. 
What about when the water heater breaks? What about when your car didn't start to get you to church and you're in the other one? What about when you were yelling at your spouse on the way here or they were yelling at you? What about when you're not going on vacation tomorrow you got to get them and go to work again? Are you going to worship? Are you going to worship? Are you going to take a lesson from the Bible and decide that even in the middle of my struggle, in the middle of my mess, in the middle of my pain, I'm going to worship? Because that's where the breakthrough comes. That's where the chains start falling off. That's where the circumstance starts to turn around. That's when God can move in my life is when I'm worshiping and I'm not focused on me, but I'm focused on Him. You got to worship. When you start to get distracted, worship. When you start to feel sorry for yourself, worship. When you're losing focus, worship. When it's taking longer than you thought it was going to take, worship. When it's not going your way, worship. When you wanted the promotion and you didn't get it, worship. When you're trying something new and it's not working, worship. When you feel like you can't go another day, worship. Worship. Some of us in this room, if we're just being honest, some of us in this room have probably been to hell and back in our lives. If we're just being real. And it's because of your, there's some of you in here that it's because of your worship that you're even here today. And if somebody was to ask you, is what, does what, is what he's talking about, does that actually work? You could stand up and say, yes, it does, because the only reason I'm here today is because of my worship and keeping my eyes on Jesus and not on my circumstance. Worship. The devil thought that he could discourage Paul and Silas, but their worship kept their eyes on God. Can I tell you, the devil just thinks that he can discourage us, but he has no power. And if you will, in your, in your darkest moment, if you'll just get your worship on for just a few minutes, <laughs> just take ten minutes and turn on iTunes or turn on some CD or turn on the radio and just get in a room by yourself and just worship for ten minutes, I think when you come out of a room with 10 minutes in the presence of God, that you might see things a little bit differently than you saw when you went in. Worship. Worship not only changes the atmosphere in a room, it changes the condition of your heart. When you worship, when we gather in, in, at church, worship will change the atmosphere of a room. But it will also change, when you engage in worship, it will also change the condition and the position of your heart when you worship. Worship. You have to make time to worship. Here's the second thing. Imagine. Imagine your life when you experience the will. you got to see it. you got to worship. And you've got to be able to see and envision what your life will look like when that happens. Not if God comes through for me, 
But when God comes through for me, this is what it's going to look like. Devil, let me just tell you that when God comes through for me in his timing, this is what it's going to look like. So you better just get used to it right now. You got to envision it in your mind. Envision it. Proverbs 29, 18, very popular scripture says, Where there is no vision, no revelation of God in his word, the people are unrestrained. Some translations say, Where there's no vision, people perish. We use this a lot in church culture and in work culture and think, Well, if we don't have a vision, if we don't know where we're going, then, then we're just going to be doing our own thing, going crazy, and it's not going to work. That works for you too. If you don't know where you're going, you're going to be doing your own thing, trying to figure it out on your own, and it's not going to work out. You've got to envision and imagine what it will look like when God comes through, when you receive your healing. When you receive your financial blessing, when you receive your new home, when God provides for you in a way that you've been needing for him to provide for you, when your kids come back to Jesus, you gotta, you see, you got to envision what it's going to look like when you get there. Because envisioning it and imagining it in your mind will give you hope. If you're constantly looking at all the bad and this is never going to happen and it's already been three years and I don't know if we're ever going to get there and I don't know if it's ever going to change and this is the way it's always going to be, you have no hope. But seeing it in your mind, envisioning it, imagining it. Let me say it this way, that verse, if you lose sight of what God already said about you and his promises over your life, you're going to go crazy. If you lose sight of what God has already said about you and what he has already spoken over you and the promises that he has for you, you will go crazy. You will lose all hope. You will be over here doing your own thing and you don't even know how you got here and it's because you lost sight of what God had already said about you. What he had already said about your family. You'll go crazy because you'll be trying to do it all yourself. You'll be trying to make it happen. You'll be trying to figure out why it's not happening. You'll get frustrated about it. And eventually, you're going to go crazy. You've got to worship. You've got to imagine. Remembering what God has already done for you and envisioning Him doing it again will keep you grounded. We sing a song that I love and is dear to my heart called Do It Again. And I know if you've been going to church here for any time at all, you've heard this song, Do It Again. I've seen you move, you move the mountains, and I believe I'll see you do it again. You made a way where there was no way, and guess what? You're going to do it again. We've got to envision it. Remember what God has already done. He's already done all of this for me. And he's going to do it again right here. I see it. I believe it. I have a vision. Here's the first L. Let God be God. Let God be God. We have to allow God to do things in his timing. 
And this one is hard. Because we, we could leave here today and we could say, you know what, I'm going to start envisioning what my life will look like when that happens, when God comes through in this situation, when that changes. And I'm going to start worshiping. I'm going to get 10, 15 minutes a day and I'm going to start worshiping and taking my eyes off of me and putting them on God. But when we start talking about letting God be God, the reason we don't like this one is because it doesn't involve you. It, it's not anything that you can do. Because we like, we, we like things, we like being in control, don't we? We like being in control of what I'm doing. I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to do it. We need it done by this week. It's going to happen. Whatever we got to do to make it happen, we're going to make it happen. But we've got to learn to let God be God. In Isaiah 55, says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. For as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth, making it bare and sprout and providing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so will my word be which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void or useless without result, without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. If God said it, it will happen. This scripture tells us that whatever has come out of the mouth of God will not return to him void. Whatever he said he would do, he will do. Whatever he says about you is what he thinks about you. Whatever he's called you to is what you are called to do. It's not going to return to him without succeeding in the way that he sent it to do. Whatever he said will happen. When distraction comes and discouragement comes, we have to remember to let God be God. It's not happening the way you thought it would. So what do we do a lot of times? We try to help God out. You know, maybe God just needs a little bit of help. Maybe he's busy over here. Maybe he's over here with Owen. And, and he's forgot about me. And maybe he, you know, maybe he's, you know, he's thinking I don't really need this until Saturday. But it really, I need it right now. So I'm just going to help God out. I'm going to try to, you know, just, God, let me just, you just tell me what you need me to do. And God says, you just need to let me be me. You just need to let me do things in my timing. Because my timing is always perfect. There's always a reason for God's timing. There's always a purpose in God's timing. We, God does not need your help figuring out how to do this in your life. He is very well capable. God might require you to do certain things. God might require you to do certain things, but we don't need to try to speed up God's timing because God's timing is perfect. The Bible says that God's ways and thoughts are higher than ours. And if he said it, then he'll do it. We've got to let God be God. And here's the last one today. The last L simply is for lose. We don't like to lose. I don't like to lose. Most of us in this room don't like to lose. But Luke 22:42, this is Jesus right before he's arrested, says, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. 
Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. We don't like this one either. (laughs) If there's any other way that you could speed this up, if there's any other way that we can get from here to there, if there's any other way to, to, to make this happen in my life, if there's any other way to, to, to speed up my healing, if there's any other way to get me from point A to point B without me having to go through all of this stuff and all of this mess and all of this hurt and all of this pain, then, then can we do it that way? And then Jesus says, but not my will, but your will. If this is the way that you want to do it, I trust that there's a reason and a purpose that you're doing it this way, and so I will lose. I will lose this argument. I will lose myself. I will lose my frustration. I will lose all of these things that are building up inside of me, and I will let you do it the way that you want to do it. When was the last time that you told God, not my will, but your will. You see what I'm wanting? You see what I need? You see what I'm struggling with? And I want you to fix it now. But not my will, your will be done. In every situation in our lives, we have to learn to say, not my will, but your will be done. I want to invite the worship team to come back. Maybe we could even say it this way today. You might want to write this down. Something that might be good for us to to repeat daily. God, I choose to lose so I can win. God, I choose to lose so that I can win. I choose to lose to myself and lose to my will so that I can have your perfect will for my life. And by doing that, I always win. I always win. God, I choose to lose so that I can win. What would your life look like if you made time to worship? If you remembered what God has already done for you and envisioned Him doing it again? If you let God do things His way And if you decided that what God wants for you is more important than what you want for you, what could your life and your relationships and your job and your circumstances and your situations and your attitude and your perspective and your hope, what would all of these things look like if we made the decision today, I'm going to do these four things. I'm going to focus on these four things. I'm going to worship I'm going to keep the hope. I'm going to envision what it's going to look like when God comes through because I know he's coming through for me. I'm going to let him do it in his timing, and I'm going to let him do it his way. If we would do those four things, I believe it would drastically change a lot in our lives. Our perspective, focus, marriage, outlook, our hope. It might even keep our eyes on what is most important in our life. Will you stand with me this morning?
We're going to sing one final song in just a moment. But I want to tell you one more time, there's power in will. And that can be turned and twisted in a bunch of different directions. God's will is most important for your life. When you make up your mind, when you have a will, and you make up your mind to do something, chances are you're going to get it done. So how about today we just make up our mind that we're going to do it God's way? That I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it God's way. I'm going to start setting aside time to worship. I'm going to envision what it looks like and remember that God has come through before and he'll come through again. I'm going to let God be God. I'm not going to try to help God speed up the process. I'm going to trust his timing. And I'm going to let him do it his way. Your will, not my will. Your will, not my will. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for speaking to us today. Lord, I pray that as we sing this last song, that we would lift our hands, lift our voices, lift our hearts to you. God, this is all about you. It's all about you. If there's anybody here today, I want to give you this opportunity, and, and you feel like there's something, you just feel it in your heart, you know that today is my day. I, I, I've never accepted Christ, never given my life to him. I've never, never made him Lord and Savior of my life, and today I want to do that. Today I want to walk out of here knowing that Jesus is Lord of my life. I want to give you that opportunity. And so I'm going to pray a prayer. I'll just lead you in this prayer. And I believe that if you pray this in your heart, that you can receive Christ and you can receive forgiveness today. So if that's you and that's, this is your moment and you want that today, let's just say this prayer. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for loving me. No matter what I've done, no matter where I've been, no matter where I am right now, Thank you for loving me. I thank you that you didn't stay in the grave, though, that you rose from the dead so that I could have life. And today, I want, I want a relationship with you. I've been trying to live life my way, and today, I want to I give you the keys. I want to allow you to lead my life. I want everything that you have for me and nothing that you don't. I want the life to the fullest that you mention in your word. And today is my day. So forgive me of my sins and come into my life. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your salvation today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to invite our prayer team to come down. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time today, would you mind just, just boldly just lift your hand in the air right now? Is there anybody that prayed that for the first time? Yes. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Come on. Can we give them a hand? That's a big decision. Best decision. Best decision you'll ever make in your life. And I encourage you to tell somebody. To tell somebody the decision that you've made. To, to, to let it come out of your mouth. And if you need prayer, if you're here today and you need prayer for anything, doesn't have to be about what we talked about today. You don't have to be a member of this church. If you're here today and you've got something going on, something that you just want us to pray with you about, would you let us pray with you? Would you let us agree with you and believe with you that God's going to come through in your situation? If that's not you, I encourage you just worship. Let's lift up the name of Jesus one last time in this place. God, I pray that you would draw every person who needs prayer today in Jesus' name. Amen.